0: Oh, Tani got it! He got it! Number forty—a franchise <laughs> record for left-handed hitters. Three to one halos. Oh, Uncle Shohei Otani, number forty. <laughs>
1: Seven incredible innings on the mound, and he just smashes a baseball. A
0: Welcome to the Sportscasters Podcast, that's right, it's a pair today, it's two Bennett's because two Bennett's are always better than one, I'm Steve, my little girl Paula's is across the way from me and welcome uh, to Season 11, Episode 18, we have a great show for you today, the second one this week, we have Vic Carucci and Andrew Marchand on the podcast today from the New York Post. Great to have Paula checking in uh, and on the show. always love doing that. All right, just a few things off the top today uh, because this is the second show this week, and I got to get out of here uh, because I have uh, have to go to Alcottville, New York uh, this weekend. Uh, we have a wedding in Franklinville, New York, and that means that the closest place we can stay is Alcottville. So we got a hotel room there, and we're going up today, but the wedding's tomorrow. Whatever, I don't have a lot of time, but I want to get this one up so that there's a second episode this week and really because the interviews are mounting up and piling up and I want to get two more out. And this is what we've done so far. We've been previewing the football seasons, college and pro, over the last several episodes. And we started with an episode we did with our friend Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders, and he did the NFL and a little college uh, from the analytics perspective, what the DVOA says. About the football season. Then we had Michael Fabiano. uh, From Sports Illustrated. To tell us about fantasy football. We previewed the fantasy football season. We had Stuart Mandel on the show. To preview the college football season. But it didn't exactly work out. Because we spent a lot of time talking about realignment. So then we invited Nicole Auerbach. On the show. And we previewed the whole college football season. With Nicole. Which was really great. She debuted on episode 17. The last one. Also. We have been previewing the NFL season, like I said, with Aaron Schatz and with uh, Michael Fabiano. And now today, Vic Carucci is going to join us. Uh, He spent two tours with the Buffalo News. When I was growing up, he was one of the main writers. He was uh, the president of the Pro Football Writers Association, and he was a huge uh, presence in the NFL Beat Writers Association And worked for the Hall of Fame. He was a big name in sports writing. And eventually he left the Buffalo News. And uh, did some time I believe. Working with the Cleveland Browns organization. So he switched teams kind of like Lee Jenkins was. And instead of writing about the teams. He became part of the teams. It was the Browns. Then he came back to the Buffalo News. Did about five or six years with them. Just recently he announced that he is. Stepping back from that, he's still on SiriusXM radio. Uh, but we'll talk about the entire league with Vic Carucci. Kind of an old-school NFL preview type of interview. Uh, and then we will do Andrew Marchand from the New York Post, one of my favorite guests that debuted last season. And we've really been enjoying having Andrew on. And he will talk with us all about the... Um, the media, the NFL media, and what's going on with that this year. Uh, so we'll do that. Now, also, still to come, I have an interview recorded with Nick Underhill from New NewOrleans.Football. We'll talk about the Saints, obviously. I have an interview recorded with Ross Tucker, and I'll tell you more about that on the episode that it airs, but that's a whole thing in, of, in and of itself. Um, so those previews are still to come. And also I want to do at least one more with like a traditional um, traditional source. So we're getting close to finishing this out. Um, but here's what we're going to do today. We'll take a break. We'll come back with Vic Carucci. It's his debut on the podcast, The First Timer. Uh, then I'll very quickly update the book club. Uh, and then Andrew Marchand on NFL Media. And then one last thing to close it out. So that's where we're at, that's what we're up to the last few weeks, that's what we're up to today, and I'm really excited because there's been eight podcasts posted on our feed in the last month, since January 15th, or excuse me, January, July 15th, we've posted eight pods, and the momentum is building, and the downloads are up, and the buzz is up, and I think the excitement for the show, not just this one, but the 24-inch podcast is really good. I want to thank everyone who's downloading and listening. I really appreciate everyone out there. You know, it humbles me that even one person listens, and that's not fake. I mean that. It blows me away because the first episode, I think only one person listened, and that was my mom. But we've come a long way, uh, and I work hard on this, and um, it means a lot to me with my mental health. Um, And I'm just I'm glad to be doing this. I'm glad to be sitting in front of the microphone on a beautiful summer day about to go away for a few days with my family, my wife and my daughter. And man, I just I'm really appreciative. So let's get it going because I got places to be and people to see. Let's take a break. We'll be right back with the debut of Vic Carucci. Our first guest today is from Whitesboro, New York, and is a graduate of Utica. He spent most of his career writing about football for the Buffalo News. He also spent time working for the Cleveland Browns organization. He was the president of the Football Writers Association. He's been a Hall of Fame voter. He currently talks about football on SiriusXM for the NFL station. He's one of the best football sports writers of all time. He's making his debut on the podcast today. A warm sportscaster's welcome to Vic Carucci. Vic Carucci, welcome to the sportscasters. How are you doing today?
1: I am great, Steve. Great to be with you.
0: You know, I I think I've told this story a few times on the show, but when I was a younger lad um, and found out that there was – this newspaper that came to the door had articles about the Sabers in it uh, every day. I decided it was time to learn how to read, uh, and, I, <laughs> and I, and I, and I, and I grew up reading. Of course, the great, the late great Jim Kelly, who's my number one all-time favorite, but also Vic Carucci and many others, the great writers that have come through, which is really historically speaking a great sports page and i'm proud to be someone who's read it for 30 or so years not as much anymore but certainly for the first 30 years i read it all the time you know i mean it was really a strong paper wasn't it
1: oh my gosh i I still think it's one of the strongest sports sections in the nation um and has always put great pride in having that be one of the strongest, if not the strongest area of the newspaper. Um, Again, uh, I I love my time there. I I actually had two stints there before my recent retirement from the news and uh, and enjoyed um, every every bit of it. I I arrived here in the early 80s, Uh, my wife and I uh, moving here from South Jersey. I covered the Philadelphia Eagles way back when, when Ron Jaworski was their quarterback. Uh, and and a guy named Herman Edwards, who you know from uh, coaching and and certainly from his time at ESPN, he was a he was playing corner for that team, and and they were two of the two go-to guys in the locker room. So not surprising to see their successful broadcast careers. And uh, and as I said, I was here from the early '80s, and then left for NFL.com and NFL Network in the late '90s, so just before NFL Network started. I was part of the startup team for that and then uh, spent some time with the Cleveland Browns working uh, overseeing all their internal media and uh, getting a radio uh, show started there Cleveland Browns Daily that's still going strong and then had the chance to come back to the news in 2014 with an idea that you know I wasn't going to stay and we kept our home here in, in Buffalo and kind of were, we're doing some as much commuting as you could do, it's, it's, you know, it's a challenge with, even though it's not that far away, it was a little over three hours, a a three hour ride uh, back and forth. But uh, you know, with growing family and grandkids and everything else, I I knew that uh, coming back here was the key uh, and, and then, and then stay and, and eventually. And, um, and I did, and, and then I knew my plan when I came back here would be to, to do about five or so years. I did seven, uh, and um, uh, newspaper-wise, but I'm still very much with Sirius XM NFL Radio, uh, doing stuff for Channel Two in Buffalo, and uh, so I keep my, uh, you know, I keep my hand very much in it. I, I call me semi-retired. People still don't buy the, the <laughs> word retirement, but I, but I am honestly, I, I I am honestly in the pension collecting mode. Yeah. All
0: right. Well, let me ask you this because it's interesting timing. Because yesterday I noticed. Because I think what, maybe one of the positive things of social media is that we're always remembering anniversaries of things. And i seen that yesterday was the day that Jim Kelly arrived at the airport um, in Buffalo to sign his contract. Right. And I remember that day. I was only, I think I was only six years old, five or six, depending. Yeah, I was just about to turn six years old in September. Right. And I remember watching on the news with my dad and seeing the plane... The coverage of the plane arriving and him walking down. But it just made me think yesterday of that that era that would be in your first run. Do you have any memories of just covering the Bills Golden Era team, the Kelly and Thomas and Bruce Smith Bills? I think it was Lee Montville was on a few weeks ago and told the story about how he was at the Super Bowl in L.A. and he got um, assigned to cover the uh, Bills fans. And he, was, he said he was just struck by how they all just wanted to be kind of in their own group and be like in a Buffalo circle. And and uh, he, he said he walked away just hoping they'd win, and obviously they didn't. But um, what about that first run? And Maybe a story or two, if you can, before we preview the season here in a second.
1: Sure, sure, Steve. Well, well yeah, it was an amazing run. Uh, and I do remember that day vividly, uh, Jim's arrival, uh, August 18th, 1986. I was covering. Um, it, it came right after a preseason game between the Bills and Houston Oilers, so I was down there with a double duty of covering the preseason game and then also uh, the you know the potential of Jim signing. And I knew the last push was going to be made down there, uh, and I and we're, you know I was all over that, and I was proud to say that I broke the story uh, of the signing. I know the Associated Press uh, picked up. Uh, uh, our, our version and, and I'm turning on like good morning America and all this place. And as a young reporter, it was heady stuff to have your stuff quoted, you know, in, in, in sure. the national yeah. environment. And, and again, this was really the earliest days of ESPN. You didn't really have a lot of national sports channels. It was really the, the, the networks that were on top of things. And and, and this was a new show that was dealing with, I've never seen that in my hotel. I also remember it was about a thousand degrees down in Houston that weekend. Uh, and uh, and then and then you know covering the signing and I had a, a good source who was within the the room who hotel room who uh, did me a huge favor and kept the phone kind of off the hook and let me listen in on some of the conversation that was going on there probably not what what, what you know the, not what another side of the negotiation would have wanted or either side but uh, I did have those kinds of connections and. Uh, and I was able to, you know, get what happened and stayed up all night, wrote my story, got on the plane the next morning, flew back and got there when, and of course, Ralph Wilson had sent a private plane to, to, to uh, have Kelly yeah, yeah. carried back to Buffalo. And, um, and then all the press conference and all of that. But the era, I mean, what I remember, and, and of course, you're talking about, uh, uh, you know, several Hall of Famers, including the head coach, Mark Levy, the general manager, Bill Polian. Um, and, and those relationships, and it's funny, the way I look at, at Jim and, uh, and Bruce Smith and Thurman Thomas and Daryl Talley and Steve Tasker, Ken Hall, you know, go down the line of guys. I, I, I consider them, uh, they were, you know, they were Jim Richard, they were, um, uh, contemporaries. So we, we, in, in many ways, we've said this before, the, the players, uh, we grew up in the game together. If that makes sense, we were sort of, right. I mean, I'm growing up from a, from a media standpoint, I hope uh, at least some people say I'm still not growing <laughs> up, but uh, growing up from a media standpoint, and they're growing up and, and, and we're, you know, our families are are around the same ages. And so it it felt like it's, it was a whole different experience for me compared to being around the game now where uh, the, the players age-wise are younger than my own kids. So it's, it's a, it's a, Whole different dynamic to, to have stayed with it for in this case, I'm it's 43 years or so for me around the NFL, um, and and you know about I'm in the I think my fifth decade. Uh, I, I love it, but I but I also and I'm not going to say I'm not going to be one of those guys. I hate when people well in the good old days or it was better than look it was different then. Um, what some things were better. There was a more intimate ability to be around people, get to know them. Uh, on a more personal basis, um, be in a locker room and spend time, uh, you know, and I'm talking even in the pre-COVID era where most everything was it was done by Zoom uh, in, in most of the modern era of covering the, covering the NFL or covering most teams. There is a, a distance. Um, it's it's harder to really get to, you know, spend time. It's appointment uh it's appointment um, encounters right. where then you just sort of hung out in the locker room and really and that's where you got your best stuff that that's where you got you built those contacts but they were a a a dynamic group they the a lot of different personalities i i, I do agree that marv Levy was the right coach for this group because he let them be who they were and you had all the extremes of egos and uh, you know, and and there would be clashes. And yeah, I'm the guy who coined the bickering bills term. And <laughs> and then, of course, you know, Thurman Thomas uh, wasn't very pleased and got was mad at me for a long time after that. But I think he got over it. I know, I know we, I think we mended fences years ago over that. Um, but it was fun uh, to to cover that team. It was a heady experience to go to four Super Bowls. A lot of work, a lot of challenges. We put out special sections. Um, a, lot of, a lot of hours, a lot yep. of you know, a lot of a lot of short nights of sleeping and long days, and and but but I think the payoff was you built uh, contacts, you definitely built your profile. I mean, this is you know, I, I think about what social media allows people to do in terms of building a reach or uh, distributing what you do. I, I'm you know, my main use of Twitter is to just share links of, of my work versus anything else. I don't, I don't really, I'm Same, not, actually. I'm not doing commentary. Yet. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing any commentary anything like that. But back then it was just you, what you built a network and you built a reach in an audience with your, with the work you did uh, in print. Uh, yeah. There'd be some TV stuff on uh, occasionally, um, but it was mostly uh, organic. <laughs> right.
0: And anyways and it's it's amazing i was just thinking about what you're saying about building your your brand or whatever so to speak it must have been a, incredibly beneficial for those 4 years to be a bills on the bills beat because all of a sudden when you get down to the final two people from all over the country want to talk about the bills and who better to talk about them with than the guy who coined the term bickering bills right
1: well, you know what's funny. Uh, I don't know if this is funny, but this is this is one of the things that, that we did. I thought was a smart idea. So, the Pro Football Writers of America and I—I I did have a, a. I was very proud to have served as uh, president of that organization. They're the two-year terms. They had term limits, which was a good idea. Uh, sure. we, we, I, I was uh, back in the nineties. I was president, but this was before I—I I, I was in there. I believe it was before I. I think. Or. was it? it, No, I guess it was afterward. But anyway, uh, the PFWA um, decided that for the media covering the team, they thought it would be a good idea to have uh, what they did it with myself. They did it with the beat writer or writers from the opposing team, whether I think it was the Giants one year and then Dallas. Uh, And what they did is they staged, they had us up on a, a, uh, you know, on a left turn and, and invited in reporters. And they said, look, here's, a half an hour to ask uh, oh, wow, Rick, what, he, what he can tell you about the bills yeah. or here's a half hour to ask Hank Gola of the, you know, or, or, or <laughs> the daily news uh, in New York, you know, what, what he could tell you about the giants. And I thought it was a very helpful way. The bills certainly were a, a more intriguing story early on because there was less known about them, right? right. The size of the market, the yeah. size of the market and everything else uh, they, they kind of were, Finding their way into the spotlight. Now, once they were in the spotlight, they were they they became larger than life, and they really had their now. now people didn't need to talk with me or anyone else. They they were on it. You know, they the Bills had a, a huge media following nationally over those next few Super Bowls. Uh, so it, it it was a but it was an interesting experience.
0: Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. So I'm not I'm not everyone who listens to this show knows I'm not a Bills fan. They had the. Um, the audacity of taking my parents' attention away from the Sabres when I was a kid, which turned me on them. Uh, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this story, Vic. When I, I was uh, It was a Sunday in September, uh, and I thought that the whole family would hang out in my room and listen to the Sabres-North Stars preseason game, radio only. Mm-hmm. And then they said, well, no, we're going to watch the Bills and the Dolphins in the living room. And I said, what, why in the world would you watch that? <laughs> when Sabres B squad is facing the North stars up in, in Minnesota. <laughs> so sorry. Compelling stuff. Yeah. I remember c- coming out of my bedroom and, and poor Jerry Butler, uh, had just sacrificed a leg, I think in the corner of the end zone. And I remember being happy, you know, I, and, and, and I was a little a little kid you know is got you know his, not to cheer for an injury but i just remembered you know feeling like ah serves them right see the bills are hurt you know i didn't know what was wrong with him i think he broke his leg in retrospect uh knowing the story now
1: yeah he yeah, heard it he wrecked his knee
0: yeah. yeah so uh but so anyway so now i'm coming from a point of neutrality but i grew up here and during those the 90s um I was was immersed in the coverage, and I know the teams well. And I remember the 88 team and getting to the game in Cincinnati, losing the game. And then I remember the expectations on the team and the things people were saying. And it reminds Mm -hmm. me a lot of the summer of 2021. You know, I remember the Bills team for the first time breaking through last year, getting to the conference championship. On the road, losing to the to an AFC team that eventually lost the Super Bowl. And then the expectations. And then what happened. And, um, you know, there was that year where they stepped back before, you know, breaking through then the next four. Now, I know they're different mm-hmm. guys and I know there's different teams. I'm just talking about the way it feels in the community and the way the expectations feel and how expectations can weigh on a team. Have you thought about this at all? Have you compared the Bills team that made the run in the 90s to the Bills team now that seems prepared to make a run here in the 2020s? I mean, some of the comparisons are natural to make just because of a presumption
1: that the talent level is good enough to label them a contender. I will stop way short. In terms of the comparison of the, the actual team's ability, this team's ability to match what the other team did or, or, or even come close to it, uh, in the sense that I knew the, the, the team in the 90s had a core of Hall of Fame players. I don't know if there's a single hall of fame player on this roster and I'm a hall of fame voter. Yep. uh, And, 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 and I, that doesn't mean I have cornered the market on identifying hall of famer, but I do know that in studying and the research that I've done in many years of that process, uh, you have to have a body of work a, a complete body of work that says hall of fame. There isn't, that guy doesn't exist. There are some talented guys. Josh Allen is a talented quarterback. Who has a lot of promise, uh, but needs to string it together consistently over years. I mean, that, that's—I know I'm saying the obvious. Same with Stefan Diggs. Same with anybody else. And honestly, there is pretty much a bunch of everybody else's. It's—it's it's not a star-laden right. team. But it's a good, but it's a team. It's a—it's a good functioning team. Right now, the best thing I think that can be said about the Bills, besides what Allen can do for them dynamically, certainly on is that they're well coached, and I do think there are similarities between the way Sean McDermott leads as a coach and what Marv Levy did, but I'm comparing Sean to a Hall of Fame coach. Sean is not a Hall of Famer by any stretch yet, uh, and maybe never will be, but but he's got qualities that, from an organizational standpoint that do somewhat remind me of Marv. Different personalities, uh, harder-edged guy in the sense that he is, I'd say, you know, more, they're both meticulous, but Marv was more about letting players be themselves. Sean is, this is the profile. This is what I want you to be. This is what we, we believe we've identified as the successful uh, path and, and puzzle, and you all have to fit that puzzle. Brandon Bean, there's similarities with Bill Polian there. Uh, both uh, outspoken Bill, a more fiery guy, but Brandon can be fiery if he needs to be. Uh, again, what I what I believe is similar is that he listens to Mar- to uh, Sean McDermott the way Paulian listened to Marv, and vice versa in, in being on the same page and having a commonality of, of what it takes to succeed and finding those right players to fit what the team does. I think the coordinators are strong. I think they're fortunate to still have Brian Dayball for another season, and Leslie Frazier is the defensive coordinator. Don't know how much longer that'll last because I do think one or both uh, will get, get head off. coaching yeah. shots. You know, yep. in, in Frazier's case, it would be a, a second chance, but I think they're both very good at what they do. Uh, and same with the other people in the front office, uh, You know, the, the, Joe Shane, the uh, assistant GM. So there's a lot of, of good components that speak to a comparison, but the expectation is in a different place yes before the bills became a super bowl team there was uh, a, a, a long you know sort of drought i mean i covered them but when jim kelly arrived he arrived just after back-to-back two and 14 seasons right so there was nothing nothing there and the and the activity was growing And ralph wilson was wondering aloud uh can this team stay can this team still thrive in this market because there were no fans well now we've got a backdrop of something different can a new stadium be built that that needs to be built in terms of the teams view and the league's view they are absolutely determined to do that want that but can the team stick around in its old place even while attracting full crowds you know full solid crowds here yeah. uh, so there's a different dynamic there that changed but once once I, I, I saw or, or once I saw the excitement level build, um, I, I always wonder about, yeah, the potential for a letdown just because there was those those seventeen seasons of no playoffs and people just feeling, um you know, just, just being apathetic about the team. Some I mean they were still supportive, but it was more about going to the game and doing goofy stuff in the parking lot sure. and, and trying to trying to get viral videos for doing ridiculous stuff versus being fans who were actually there to watch the game. I think there are more people interested in watching the game. You still got the knucklehead factor, but I still think there is there are people who want to watch the games.
0: Interesting. Let me ask you this. I always love to ask this question when we're getting ready to start a new season. And I know you're an old school reporter, so you might actually keep a notebook. It might not just be figurative. But either way, a real notebook or, no, I do. or figuratively. No, I do. I, want, <laughs> I wonder uh, what things are you most interested in tracking as we get to the start of the season and through, let's say, September? Like, what are the stories in your notebook that you want to see play out and i'm talking league wide here not necessarily the bills or any other team but league wide as we go into the season what things are you thinking like i gotta see how this works or how this plays out or what happens here what's in vic's notebook right now
1: yeah number one would be uh how covid is managed again by the league i thought it was managed well last year um i i am i am not as concerned as maybe I was a little bit earlier and a lot of people about it being a divisive, um, something that would pull apart teams in locker rooms the disagreements over vaccine or no vaccine, um, just like it's doing in society. But I, I think there are, when you've got the majority of players in the league, by all accounts, being vaccinated, I think that's taking that issue somewhat off the table. But the management of it, uh, is going to be interesting, and and will there be a team where there's an outbreak that occurs because of unvaccinated players? Which is you know, there's great potential for that because there are still going to every if, you know, I would think every team based on what I can gather has unvaccinated players, um, you know, I, or or most right. of just the Falcons,
0: just the Falcons that sat there. Hundred percent, yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. So so, and even and again, even even that we know doesn't assure us of anything, but. Let's, let's see how that play goes. So that's number one, number two, number two, I want to see, uh, how Tampa Bay, um, you know, follows up it's, it's super bowl year because they've kept that team intact. Uh, Tom Brady remains, um, you know, to me an amazing story and, and it will be even more amazing if he can pull it together for another year physically, uh, and lead this club. He's, he's. Uh, lead this club to another Super Bowl. Um, he has he has the physical ability, I think, still to do that, even when the body says, at his age, it's not supposed to be. But he he has adjusted well, uh, and now the question is, how hungry will the rest of the team be? He's the one who leads the charge there, and and I'm fascinated by that. Um, and then the other thing is kind of a cluster, and it does include the Bills. Who emerges? from a group of teams that I think are somewhat equal, I give the Bills probably as much an edge as anybody. I I can't put them ahead of Kansas City, but in the cluster of AFC teams that I would think one will end up in the Super Bowl, Kansas City, Buffalo, not that far behind, even though I thought the gap looked pretty great in that AFC championship game. But it'll be interesting to see uh, what the Bills have done to close that from a defensive standpoint. And I believe, I believe they've taken some strides there. Um, it'll also require Josh Allen to, you know, be better than he was. And he was great or start or not, not deteriorate because a lot of teams are are certainly uh, chiefs, everybody included focused on neutralizing what he did counter counter having answers for those questions that he poses. Uh, but I look out for Cleveland. I think there is loaded talent. I, on talent, I'm not sure there's a better team, but uh, I do I do think that they're just a a little notch below where the Bills are, in my view. I like I love Kevin Stefanski. I think he's been he's turned things around in ways that I never thought were possible in my time with the Browns. Right. And then after that, uh, you know, working for them. Yeah. And then um, after that, uh, I would say uh, Tennessee is a is a fascinating team. I okay. think they. Got got some, you know. They've made some improvements, obviously, and uh, we'll see how that how that goes.
0: Yeah, for them, I wonder can they pace King Henry? You know what I mean. After two a lot of tread on those tires the last few years. A know. lot of
1: tread. It's yeah. not only it's not only that. Um, it's also how you uh, and, and the biggest issue. and I'm glad you mentioned that, Steve, because yeah. the biggest issue with them is do you, can you bring a, enough of that offensive balance that they did at times last year. I do think they are a, 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 a dy- they can be they can be I don't know if they are they can be um, a dynamic offense. I mean I, I think they've got that capability, and I think they get they get maybe underrated at times uh, for you know their their offensive firepower, and, and, and obviously they've tried you know to add to that and in Julio this offseason Jones. Yeah, Julio Jones. Uh, with, with Julio. But Ryan Tannehill is a is a good player. Um, and, and yes, they lean heavily on, on Derek Henry, but I think the ideal formula for them is to pound Henry when they have to, after, you know, matching firepower through the air.
0: Yeah. Spreading you out a little bit. And then, then you throw Henry in there. This is one that I'm sort of interested in getting your thoughts because you mentioned hall of famers. And of course, Drew Brees is going to be one, uh, but he's gone, right? Um, Deshaun Watson, not going to play this year. Doesn't seem like. Maybe he will, but not right away. Some question marks there. That team seems to be bad. But there's been so many moving parts in quarterback this offseason with Carson Wentz going to Indy. The, a huge draft class, you know, and they flashed a little bit already, right? Lance had the big 80-yard touchdown pass. Does that eventually mean he's going to take over Jimmy G? Fields is going to supposedly be the best quarterback ever to play for the Bears. He's there now. Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. It seems like maybe more than most years or recent years that there's just a little bit, and maybe you even go back to the class of Tua, uh, just a lot of turnover at the quarterback position. I wonder how it's going to settle in. You know, who's going to kind of emerge as the the next tier behind Mahomes and Rodgers, and Brady, let's say, and Allen, we'll even throw him, and, and Russ. Maybe those are the top five. Maybe there's one other guy I'm missing. Who's going to move up as the next best five, you know, of all these guys that have come in yeah. and moved around? Oh,
1: that's a great... <laughs> that is... A, and, and that one is, is on my mind as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. I, I think uh, it, everything you mentioned makes a lot of sense. I'm not as fixated on the rookies emerging, you know, I I like what the potential is for Justin Fields. I like what the potential is for, you know, some of these other, uh, some of these other quarterbacks uh, certainly. And, and, and I'm probably, I mean, Fields is one that you're, that that is interesting, but I'm probably just as interested in Trey Lance and what he'll do with San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, Even though by all accounts, it's Jimmy Garoppolo's team, but he's supposed to see, some significant time and has a lot of ability. Uh, Zach Wilson is fascinating because yep. he's a young, you know, or, or he's got the young, he, he looks like he's just this baby faced guy. And he looks, he doesn't look big enough to really like he's going to withstand getting yeah. pounded on. He because looks I don't know like, what that line. I know. Yeah he's, yeah, he's a slightly built sort of guy, and, and that happens. And then, and as Tom Brady was when he was a rookie, but then you you kind of reconfigure your body somewhat. Not that Tom is a jacked up uh, Tim Tebow physical specimen, but he's he's a bigger. You know, he he became a lot bigger than he was at this lanky, gangly rookie. Uh, but but Wilson is interesting because he seems smallish in so many ways, but he is he does have a. Uh, an elevated kind of view and, and head for the game. Anyway, as far as the quarterbacks go, though, it, 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 again, I put I, I, I put Patrick Mahomes in a category of his own. I don't That's think sad. anyone's close to him, and that includes Josh. I think Josh is really good, but but he's but but he's behind Mahomes on uh, is in terms of top to bottom, head to toe quarterbacking. Mean, there are just things Mahomes can do that no one does that I've seen, and, and it's incredible. Yeah, he's on and uh, you know, he's unreal. Josh is still certainly right up there in that category, but Aaron Rodgers remains yep. uh, a, a, a top force, a guy that you got to look at and say, okay, I respect what he can do. Um, Tom Brady isn't going anywhere. I don't think at least for another year. And I would not count him out of a thing. Um, Ben Roethlisberger is going to be interesting physically. How does he hold up. And again, questions behind, you know, what, what is the line that's in front of him uh, and how that will, you know, how will, how will that function? Um, but, but, uh, and, and there's a lot of questions about that. Uh, so at the core, Russell Wilson, uh, for sure still great. Is, is someone to look at and yeah. still great. So you still, so I think, and, and here's the other thing I'll, I'll just say generally about this topic. I think um, the, the, the NFL in terms of its popularity, in terms of what keeps people coming back, uh, QBs. it begins yeah. and usually ends with QBs. And if you don't have, you know, if you've got them and you've got a good collection of them, uh, which I think the league has, uh, usually you're in good shape. And I think the league's in good shape.
0: Yeah, there was that that like little down period in the maybe the middle of the breeze Brady, Manning, Rogers era where the back end was bousy seems like it's really rounded off. Like we didn't even mention the real story this year in terms of QBs might be the second year, guys. You know, Burrow coming back from the ACL with the, you know, yeah. chase as a new weapon. You know, Justin Herbert was amazing last year. Does he take another step? You know, a full season for um, Alabama, Oklahoma, my boy. Why can't, um, can't think of his name with Philadelphia?
1: Oh, so uh- – yeah, you're, you're
0: talking about Tua tunga No, no, no. He's what in Alabama. He in oh, he, Matt Jones. Uh, no. <laughs> Here we go. No, who All right. What are you talking about? We're talking about the Eagles quarterback who played at Alabama and then oh, Oklahoma. Jalen yeah. uh, Hurts. Okay. Jalen Hurts. There we go. He's going to get a full okay. year. Sorry about Sorry. that. A lot of Alabama damn there's quarterbacks. Of, I, shouldn't no, Alabama. I, yeah, I shouldn't have said Alabama. I was a lot of Alabama guys to talk about. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. I should have said the, the Lincoln-Riley product. Uh, that would have narrowed it down yeah. to three, although that would have been difficult, too. And speaking of Lincoln Riley uh, products, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, too. So a lot of great yep. quarterbacks uh, to keep yep. you interested. Oh, yeah. All right. The sportscasters are here. Finish it up with Vic Carucci, who, of course, you can hear his voice on Sirius XM on the uh, NFL channel there. Uh, he's been doing it for years there, and he's still a contributor here in Buffalo, uh, where I am uh, on Channel 2 WGRZ. And um, he's still writing and voting for the Hall of Fame and doing all of those things as well. All right, let's get you out of here on this. One last thing. Uh, Every year, it seems like there's a team or two we're not talking about in August that takes a step forward and becomes one of the stories of the season and ends up in the playoffs and maybe even making a run. I'm thinking about a team like my Saints in 2017 who had had a few 7-9s and in a row, and then they have the unbelievable draft with Marshawn Lattimore and Ramchick and all of that, and they go 11-5 and and all the way to the almost stepping into the NFC Championship game before the Minnesota Miracle. Uh, Who's a team like that for you this year? Is there a team that nobody's really talking about that you feel like can put it all together, make a jump, maybe one in each conference, maybe not, maybe you don't see a team like that? Is there Uh, anyone striking you?
1: N- not really, Chargers. Um, I mean, I think I. Mm, you got a new coach there. Any sure. any place that's starting with a new head coach, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna. I, I know it's not impossible, but systems are new. Yeah, I like I I certainly like Justin Herbert, but I but I don't know what fair a point. new yep. head coach. Fair he's point. Got a very limited limited time. Uh, what difference does he make? It, the Colts are going to be interesting for sure. Frank Reich great coaching, uh, almost made it work with Phillip Rivers last year, going to try to make it work whenever you see Carson Wentz, you know, on the field. We'll see how that, how that works out, but there's some potential there. Um, But as far as any, any circumstance and even with a veteran college coach at the helm of like Jacksonville, obviously with Urban Meyer, I, I just think that, Trevor Lawrence, top draft pick or not, is still got growing pains. He's going to go through. The, the Bengals will be a hard out for somebody. They're not, not they're, you know, they won't be an easy right. out. They, yeah. I don't believe that. I don't see that they're going to be anything spectacular. But I do think uh, Joe Burrow and 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 how he gets over, you know, the mental challenge uh, that he frankly has. Uh, of of this knee, that that's what I'm what I'm hearing is that you know. So anyway, that um, I'm I'm hearing that he's still dealing with that as, as a little bit of a uh, uh, a little bit of a hurdle that sure. he has, has to clear.
0: Yeah, I wonder about the so. NFC East and who emerges there. You know, will it be the Cowboys? Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders was on here. He loves the Cowboys, but again, we, you know questions of a recovering quarterback. You know, could it be Ron Rivera year two with Washington, uh, Jalen Hurts, as we mentioned with the Eagles, will the Giants ever put together? I think that's like maybe the most interesting division in a way where I have no idea who's the best or worst team is in it. I have a guess. Yeah, It's but
1: always, yeah, <laughs> no, no. It's, I think that's always the case. The NFC East once again is uh who knows division. Um, it's a lot of, uh, it's a cluster of teams and, Uh, I like what Ron Rivera does in Washington, but I think Ron Rivera is sounds like a frustrated guy, too, because he doesn't feel that his players are are bought in enough to the whole vaccine thing. Uh, Is that a real issue that pulls them away from, you know, focusing on the task at hand or not? I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it's worth noting because we've heard him sound off multiple times about that. So.
0: All right, you can find Vic Carucci on Twitter. Like he said, it's just at his name V I C C A R U C C I. And I mentioned SiriusXM, uh, the NFL channel. There, anything else specifically, uh, Mr. Carucci? You want to plug?
1: Uh, yeah, well, I, so I've done a you know a bunch of books, um, and I've got my ele- football books, and I've got my eleventh one coming out. Uh, this fall. It'll be, I think, available in October. It can, it's, it's already available on pre-order on Amazon, but we've just done the final edit. So Bill Polian and I uh, have collaborated on our second book together. This one is called Super Bowl Blueprints, uh, and it's from Triumph Books. It's a, um, a, it, it was kind of a unique project that Bill had the, the idea for, and, and we spent the, our, our basically our COVID year uh, many months talking to, we interviewed 36 uh, mostly Hall of Famers involved with in the game at the ownership, executive, coaching, playing level. So you, you'll you hear from everybody from Jimmy Johnson to Terry wow. Bradshaw to Mean Joe Green to Mel Blunt to Steve Young, uh, Bill Parcells. We got them all in there. And of course, the, there's a it, Bill's chapter. Each chapter is, uh, and it's presented in um, oral history form. And each chapter is how these teams were put together and how they functioned and had the success they had for their Super Bowl runs. Now the bills, of course, number one, one, but they're reaching four in a row historically made it worthwhile. So we hear from Jim Telly, Frank Reich, Marv Levy, and of course, bill on that one. Um, We hear from Peyton Manning and Tony Dungy and all the, you know, the Colts and, and their whole no huddle experience and, and Jerry Jones, Jimmy Johnson on those cowboy on that cowboy dynasty. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's about 400 pages. Uh, it was a lot of work. We did zoom calls over the course of, uh, wow. uh, many months and, and had, had a ball each conversation. I think Bill and I had was about two and a half hours. Bill and I did a book back in 2014 that was called the game plan. And it was Bill, it was really for, it was Bill's first person on, um, built, how to construct a team, how to, how he finds players, how You Hire Coaches, he, he he used passages from his operational manuals from the time he was in Buffalo and Indianapolis and Carolina. So, interesting stuff. Um, and I think uh, I think it's going to be, for the football, hardcore football fan, I, I think it's something you're going to definitely want to dig into.
0: Yeah, the book is called Super Bowl Blueprints. Hall of Famers Reveal the Keys to Football's Greatest Dynasties by Bill Polian and Vic Carucci. And it will be released on November sixteenth, twenty 2021, according to Amazon. Uh, that's the date that they right. have on it. Yeah, November. 16th. Yeah, we. I,
1: I. know they'll start shipping. They told us they'll start shipping. It. They, they put that date down because it takes. Uh, I and mean, you can get like ebook downloads yeah. and all that. I believe. Yeah. Kindle's so available as well. Yep. 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 And and yeah, and I yeah, I think they're going to do an, a books on you know an audio book version. And I know I know that was all in the contract. So I assume that's be the,
0: the date. Yeah. The date that Amazon gives for the Kindle version is October nineteenth. So if you want to get it a little early in October and you don't mind reading an ebook, you can do that uh, that way. And I'll reach out to you after this. Maybe we can feature that in our book club. Maybe we'll have some fun and help you promote and sell that one. All right. Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, Last thing before you go, just give me your Super Bowl pick and your Super Bowl winner. (laughs)
1: Um, Well, uh, I guess I'll make these in August, but I will uh, for the sake of the show. I'm going to go with uh, I am going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think it's a uh, Super Bowl rematch. Uh okay. probably Tampa and Kansas City. This time Kansas City wins. Uh, right. that th- this time it'll be it'll be Kansas City and Buffalo, I think will be right there uh probably playing for a championship game but th- but I think that championship game will be should be a lot closer. That's that's my sense right now.
0: I'll throw the disclaimer out. That's the August 18th pick. Still a right to uh yes, right to change that yes. between now and September. Nine, I, 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 reserved, yeah. I reserved the <laughs> right
1: to update, change, deny that I ever made it all. Of that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> this is a great pleasure for me. And what I want to do is try to get you out of season. And we'll do like an hour where I just get all kinds of stories about like your whole career, you know, and because and, I'm going to be you know, interested well, in all that. Okay. So maybe we can do that sometime when it's sure. not so busy. Thank you, though.
1: All right, Steve. Uh, my pleasure, buddy. You be well. And uh, thank you.
2: Oh, could've used a few pounds. Tight pants, points, hollering out. She was a black hat beauty with big dark eyes and points all her own, sudden way up high,
0: way up firm and high. Out past the cornfields where the woods got heavy,
2: out in the back seat. Of
0: I want to thank Vic Carucci for being on the podcast today. It was an honor uh, to have him on the show. All right, real quick book club update. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because, like I said, I'm kind of in a rush. Got to get on the uh, get on the ninety to the two nineteen and head up to Ellicottville. But quickly updating the book club first. The Baseball 100 by Joe Piznanski. It's going to be released on September 28th, 2021. It's the 100 players uh, that he wrote an essay about. And like I said, it's really good. I've been reading it. And what's great about it is you can just take it in the toilet and open it up and say, all right, I'll read the Miguel Cabrera essay. And then you go, all right, you know what? Let's see what he said about Greg Maddox. You know, uh, what about Bob Feller? And it's just you don't have to read it in order, uh, but you could. Uh, and it's there for you. If you only want to read 15 minutes, read one or two essays. It's great. I think people are going to love it. I can't wait to talk to Joe about it. He's had three books in the book club, his Paterno book, which was a whole saga that played out over the course of a bunch of different episodes of this show, which I think should be a one last thing during season 11 before we end the 10 year anniversary celebration and then a golf book as well but uh the baseball 100 also kent babb's book across the river life death and football in american city it's available now wherever you buy books either hardcover or ebook you can grab that uh if you want to do that don't forget also uh that vic carucci mentioned that he and bill polian have a book coming out that's available to pre-order Uh, On Amazon, but Across the River, Life, Death, and Football in American City by Kent Babb. I'm going to reach out to Kent and hopefully he'll be on soon to talk about that. Also, COVID Curveball, an inside view of the 2020 Los Angeles Dodgers World Championship season. Uh, It's by Tim Everett and Oral Hershiser. It comes out August 31st. So getting closer to that and Tim will be on to discuss this. Those are the three main books. Don't forget about Football Outsiders, Almanac. Uh, Aaron Schatz is an unbelievable uh, preview of the football season every year. Uh, we also have a book coming up in the fall about the Big East basketball. Uh, Jeff Perlman has a book coming out about Bo Jackson. Howard Bryant has a book coming out about Ricky Henderson that I can't wait for. So a lot of fun coming up uh, in the future in the book club. But for now, Piznanski, Bab, and Neverett. Uh, a football and two baseball books. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back with one of my favorites, Andrew Marchand. Next guest today is a graduate of Ithaca College. He covers sports media for the New York Post. He debuted on the show last year, uh, sometime in season ten. And I've just been loving having him on. Just really enjoy the conversations, and today should be no exception. We're gonna preview the NFL and college football media seasons. A warm sportscasters, welcome to Andrew Marchand. Hey, Andrew, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. I always appreciate having you. I love uh, talking sports media. I want to do a deep dive into the NFL, into the NFL sports media, but quickly, quickly, as they say, you had a big piece yesterday, so we might as well do it while we're here. The um, Max Kellerman fallout. Now, this is a show, I'll admit, I don't watch much. I don't, I'm not into the debate. TV stuff like this but you see the clips on Twitter and obviously it's a big deal considering how much ESPN who seems to be losing everyone paid Stephen A. Smith to keep him Um, why did this happen Um, and what does it say about ESPN, Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith
2: the biggest reason I think it happened is because Stephen A. wanted to happen if you look at it He's the face of ESPN more than anyone else.
3: Right, that's um, crazy.
2: And so he, uh, so I, I think this is what he wanted. Uh, you know, they've been together for five years. Um, you know, I watch the show Sarai. You know, it's hard to watch everything,
3: right? Yeah. It's
2: not really my cup of tea. People, you know, Same. going for hot take supremacy. That's not really my thing. I turn on every once in a while. If there's breaking news, especially with Hoops, um, Steve Mays, obviously, that's his main thing. Max is pretty good on hoops as well. Um, so that's the main reason to happen. Now, again, I know that, like, on the internet, a lot of people bring up his Max's Tom Brady comments. that will kind of dance down the grave. I, it's not really the end of Max Kellerman there. Like, I think he's going to have a big role. I think it's very likely he'll end up with Keyshawn in the morning. Maybe Jay Williams stays. Um, but so he ends up with the morning show, which still... A pretty big deal, and I think he'll probably get his own t- TV show in the afternoon. So it's not like it's the end of Max Kellerman. In fact, I'm sure they're going to present it as if um, you know he's going to be able to be, big, be the right, alpha of his uh, situation. Too. Yeah.
0: What what are his Tom Brady comments? I don't I don't know that. I'm sorry. Should, oh yeah, probably. he
2: said like a few years ago. Yeah, he said a few years ago that Tom Brady's about to fall off a cliff. Oh okay. You know, so it's just that, a bad take. happens to everybody, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like it actually wasn't really so. It actually made sense. Like I think a lot of things. Max isn't right all the time. He usually is pretty smart though. So uh, it wasn't like you know. Of course, all the Patriot fans, especially and then you know, Brady diehards. We all know how well he's done and won another championship or two since then. Uh, so people are gonna, you know, go crazy on that. But like the the game that they're playing in those morning shows is the attention game. And so uh, it's not really the being correct game. So that take got a lot of attention and that's really what they're trying to do. Uh, So uh, they can't really say that's a bad thing necessarily. You you end up being wrong, but I I don't think it it wasn't even so like irrational either.
0: It it wasn't correct. I was going to say like when you throw out that many opinions and hot takes a day, and then a month, and then a year, you have to have thick skin because you're going to be wrong, no matter how smart you are. You're going to be wrong, but then the reality is you don't have to be thick skinned because even when you're wrong, the attention is really what you wanted anyway. So it's a victory.
2: Exactly. I mean, if you look at really what goes viral and what gets attention, it's usually when these guys say something stupid.
3: Right, um, and that's, that's kinda, a victory.
2: <laughs> that's what really gets attention. We did yeah, it. it. Yeah, yeah we, we got that attention. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's not like I have this really solid, um, well-thought-out take, and people are like, ooh, let's share that. It's more of like I go crazy and act like a lunatic, and then uh, that's what people find interesting. Because these shows, for the most part, they're an escape for people, and that's what they want. And so um, I think that's what um, – uh, so that's why, like, people I think tune in, and there's a bunch of college kids who hate watching classes who like those type of shows. Yeah, well, yeah, kind of like to watch, you know, like sports in that manner. We're a little bit older. I don't know if we. Nah, it's not. I can't get so so crazy. Yeah, exactly, LeBron or Jordan. It's like yeah, they're both great. I I, I can make my case for which one, (laughs) but like it doesn't matter and it's unprovable. So it's like it just seems pointless to me in a lot of respects.
0: Now Stephen A had a bad month in July. He he was. He, I think, made a couple of mistakes with comments. Um, Comments that if other people had made them, he would have scorched them, you know, on his show, right? Like, uh, which is interesting. Uh, It just bounces off him, though, right? I mean, nothing happened. It was like he was negatively viewed for a few days on Twitter. And he put out an apology where he actually even played the race card in the apology, which was interesting, I thought, and then just I guess nothing happens, right? Is he kind of bulletproof?
2: Um. Well, I think the bigger you are, the more um, chances you'll get, and you know, you can not like Stephen A. You can like Stephen A. I think he's got the. I'm neutral. Uh, Act sound Yeah. Yeah. You I. 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 I you know. He. he the The word act sounds insulting. So I don't mean it that way, but I think he's got it down. Like he, it's the first time around, you know. And they left ESPN. I don't think he was really fully ready for this level, which he kind of attained. And then they um broke up. And then he came back, and he, you know, started. You know, he didn't start at the highest level. He's worked his way up. But I think now he gets it. He does the cowboy thing. I mean, he's not doing like you know the idea that this is like journal. It's not journalism. It's not even. It's sort of like column writing, but it's just sort of um I think I said it before, you know, it's attention. Like he's good at getting attention. He says things in a funny way. It's like Chris Russo and Stephen A. I think about both of them. Maybe I'll write something about this. Is that like it's not really what they say, it's how they say it. It's like an entertaining to listen to like Russo. You know, it's like uh you know in the scenario um when he says stuff like that okay. it is the way he you know intones it i don't have a Stephen A, so i'm not going to try to do that but like so it's the way they speak is entertaining and i think that's a large part of what listening is it's not like you're listening to music but there is something to it that makes it um
0: it almost has a beat that makes it enjoyable
2: yeah that yeah. exactly that's a good yeah. point yeah, there's yeah like a rhythm
0: there's yep, a beat a rhythm there's or a a soul to, it. to it
2: yeah yeah and so um, so I think you get that with Stephen A. So I don't know if I kind of got off your question, but yeah, so he gets a lot of opportunities.
3: because
2: I mean, he's the guy for ESPN. I, looked, I got some others, Van Pelt, PTI still big. Um, and we'll see in the game space. I mean, like they really they have some good game callers. They That's where they really probably need to develop
0: and get stronger um, is their broadcast of games in terms of having the best. Right, and they got a lot riding on the manning thing too i think we'll talk about that in a minute uh let me ask you this real quick because last year around this time we were all watching the um maybe a little bit earlier than this time but we were all watching the jordan documentary uh it was super popular so you know that that means kind of like when the uh the queen documentary or queen movie came out oh it's like oh that was popular it's biopic season and rock music you know what i mean like to get them all out there you yep. got Elton John when I was like the hip thing and I, I noticed yep. just in the last week or two there was the Malice in the Palace documentary there's the uh, multi-part documentary about the dream team on Paramount Plus uh, there's a Mets one coming out uh, multi-part this is kind of like the new thing it seems like a little bit any thoughts on any of the current ones the ones that are coming and is there any ideal subject that you'd love to see one of the streaming services tackle in a multi-part documentary it's a good question
2: Uh, well first of all I just think it's overall this is where a lot of it going because of the streaming services I think documentaries are sort of what work the standalone shows they don't have that evergreen um, lifespan that uh, these documentaries have, so that makes more sense um, for to put your money into because you can have them in your catalog forever, uh, especially if they're very compelling. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of subjects I could think of. I, I mean, one that the audience might, I think, like the, I covered the 2000 Mets. They're really interesting. Yeah. You know Story. I mean, Joe Torre and Bobby V are doing something about 9/11. Um, but I think more of like, you know. There's an event called Wharton Gate where Bobby was almost fired over a speech he made at University of Penn, which I did a story about um, during the pandemic. Uh, and, yeah, that's a good one. I just think that's an entertaining uh, topic that could be explored. Uh, maybe a little niche in New York, but, like, I do think it's such an interesting uh, sure. topic. that. Um, so. Yeah, but this is—I do—I do think that's what we're moving. There's going to be a lot more though.
0: those. This is not ending anytime soon. Yeah, and they're hit or miss. You know, some are better than others. Um, I was a—I'm hu- a huge fan of the Jack McCollum book, Dream Team. And uh, yeah. years years ago, when it came out, we featured it in our book club. He came on to talk about it a few different times. Then he did a podcast about it. He came on to talk about that. I'm watching that documentary. I thought I knew this book really well. I had no idea that the Dream Team book was so much about race. You know, because it says right on there, this is based on the book, The Dream Team, and the whole first mm. hour is basically about race. I don't think any of that is in the book. So I don't know how what the story race? changed what, so much. What was the... Well, like there's a big yeah, narrative. These... There's a big narrative on there that somehow uh, Isaiah Thomas being on the team. Over and John Stockton being on the team over Isaiah Thomas was somehow a race motivated thing, where everyone knows it was about uh, Jordan. You know what I mean? Everyone knows it's about Jordan. Then they also tried to make Christian Laettner making the team about race. You know, which again, like, come on, the guy was the biggest college basketball star in a generation. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he had just won two yep. straight national championships, been to four straight Final Fours, and hit the most famous shot in basketball history. That wasn't about. Race, you know what I mean? It just—it felt like a no, forced, I, yeah, a forced I, narrative yeah, to agree. me. A forced narrative. Yeah, I can see me. that for sure. Um, all right, let's transition into what I really wanted to spend a bulk of the time on today, because I've been previewing the football seasons, college and pro, in different ways. I had Aaron Shots from Football Outsiders to do some analytics. We had Vic Carucci to talk about the league in general. We had Michael Fabiano for fantasy purposes. We had uh, Mike Nick Underhill from New Orleans football to talk about my beloved Saints. So let's do some media, which is almost my favorite topic of them all. Now, here's the first thing I think we got to be clear about. There's been all the news for the last year about this new deal and that new deal, and this is going to be here and this is going to be there. But none of that's this year, right? That we should be clear on that. That's this year is still under the old rules, quote unquote, so to speak.
2: Exactly. You know, it's funny. First of all, I just want to say. I appreciate you doing this. I throw out a preview column about the whole NFL, so I'm just going to be like taking notes for all the topics <laughs> I should hit. Um, this, is like a, this is like my brainstorm section.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's section. do it. I You'll love get reports that. reports
2: in the paper. Yeah. All right. So yeah. No. None of that. I, ESPN. I think has. I'm pretty sure they're Saturday. They won't have a doubleheader, but they'll have a Saturday doubleheader the last week of the season um, starting this year. Okay. Um, which you know is supposed to be like some flexing games that have some value to them um, as opposed to the doubleheader that they used to have
0: okay. on that first weekend first monday so that's the main kind of change that goes into effect this year Cause, right because they're only exactly. doing one monday night game opening week this year right or are they yep, doing exactly right okay no which, they're just doing one yeah which is too bad i kind of like that i thought that was pretty popular too i'm surprised that went away oh uh-
2: Yeah, it does. But I think for them, they they prefer to have that Saturday. Makes sense, I guess. Have a piece of the last weekend instead of being dark for that last weekend of the season, the most important weekend. You're not around. Instead, you'll have that
0: what they hope is a big doubleheader on Saturdays. All right, let's start with the boots. Um, I think maybe the biggest, maybe I'm biased, I don't know, but maybe the biggest thing is going to be, is Drew Brees the next Romo? Right, because everyone wants to get the rec- the next Romo hire, and he'll get his shot with Notre Dame football. That'll be his his introduction. That's I think an interesting booth story. Um, what else? What else in the booths? You can do a college if you want. I just kind of threw that one out there because it's breeze and NFL. But what about NFL more specifically? Not a lot of changing, right? I mean, the booths we had with uh, with a few jumps here and there, correct?
2: Well, you know, it's interesting. As you said the deals. But a lot of stuff that I've reported over the years now is coming to fruition. Okay. So yeah, the Drew Brees. know yeah. He'll yep. be doing Notre Dame uh, games, and he'll be on the pregame uh, for Sunday night football. And then I'm sure he maybe will work in maybe a game or two on Sunday night. You know, where you know, like they kind of NBC has extra games sometimes. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he does a game or two there. Uh, and so then you have that. Um, You have the Mannings on Monday night. You also have on Fox, number two team is now going to be Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson. Uh, So all these stories that I kind of wrote uh, a while ago uh, are all kind of coming to fruition, uh, you know, for these games. So I think there'll be a lot to talk about in terms of, Ooh, I think he's good. Olson's, you know, this guy's good. Breeze is good. This guy's good. You know, so uh, it's a lot of moving parts, but yeah, but the top teams uh, remain the same. Um, but uh, but yeah, but you're right. Breeze is going to be interesting. I mean, do you think, what, what's your opinion? Do you think he's going to be good
0: or no? Well, I'll tell you this about Breeze. I've watched every single press conference he's given after the game for about seven or eight seasons in a row since they started airing them. And he has unbelievable recall. You know what I mean? His memory for yep. plays that have happened is really great. So I think he's going to be good at reacting to situations that come up in games and comparing them to other situations. You know what I mean? Because I think he just has a really great recall for things that have happened in football. And it's not just his plays. You know what I mean? Like, for example, he'll be saying, like, you know, uh, he'll be talking about maybe, say, when they are getting ready for the playoffs last year in games against Brady, you know, and he'll be saying, like, you'd think he'd focus on the few times they had played with the Saints or something. And he'd be like, well, I remember, you know, watching some 06 tape with Brady and him and Manning had a game and this, you know what I mean? He's got an unbelievable recall. Yes. So I think that could be a huge asset to him. Um, So I, I'll just say that as a positive. That's what I think he has going for him as for the negatives. You know, I don't know what experience he, he doesn't really have much experience. Um, there might be some people rooting against him right out of the box because of what happened last March. Um, so, there might be some people looking for him to fail because of that. I don't know how prevalent that still is. Um, but I think he's got a chance. The thing is, the other thing going against him, I think, are because, and it's going against anyone who steps into this role, especially quarterbacks, is right away the question is, is he as good as Romo? You know, and there's a chance that Romo is just so good that the answer is always going to be no. You know what I mean? So,. Is that held against him? I guess would be my worry. If he's not good at, well, like, I think you yeah. know, you know what I'm saying. Go ahead, yeah. If, well, he, if he's not good at, as good as Romo, does that mean he's not good at all? I don't know.
2: Yeah, and I also think like kind of like we were talking about Stephen A. and Chris Russo. I think there's something with Romo too. It's how again how he says it more like he just comes across as very engaged in the game, great enthusiasm, um, and very passionate. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And so very like that. It sounds different. Um yeah, I don't think, I would think Breeze doesn't sound as different. Like, Troy to me is pretty good, right? Like, he's just like a reliable person to watch the game with. Um, you know, kind of like, I think you have to look at these broadcasts as if like they're extension of like, you know, the people you have in your living room on the couch. And like, sure. to me, Romo's the guy's like jumping all around and being like, oh, do you see that? And like, point, and like, yeah, that's good. Now, that can grow old sometimes and there, you know, eventually that might be some backlash. Um, and Aikman's more the guy at the end of the couch, uh, you know, beard in his hand, maybe doesn't talk as much, but when he says something like, oh, what is he? Oh, choice speaking. Let's hear what is, what is he, sure. he's going to point something out. That's good. Uh, so, uh, you know, so that's a factor that, you know, we're going to have to listen to and see what Breeze is. Um, like, I haven't watched a lot of his, you know, I've seen clips of him talking, of course, but, like, I haven't studied him. And I don't know if that necessarily – is totally tells you how good somebody it's no. not like how it's just, it's a different animal being in that booth and looking down and being able to um, just be natural. And a lot has to do with uh, who your partner is. I'll have to So he'll be able to guide them in and out, um, which is an underrated um, thing with great. these guys. He's a lot great. of times. Yeah, yeah. In terms of being helped by, you know, uh, who your partner is. So, uh, yeah, so that's one. And then, uh, you know, I think, I don't know, I'll let you say where we're going, but you know, the Mannings of course are interesting.
0: Yeah. Let's do that next. One last thing I wanted to say about Romo in case we get away from it. We are kind of talking about his enthusiasm. You know what I think it is, at least for me, let's say I watch the saints game at one, right? That's it's my number one thing. I wake up, watch the saints game at one. Four o'clock yep. game is a Romo Nance game, right? A- and I'm questioning my, my choices as a father, and a husband, and a 4 year old man, am I really going to spend seven hours on the couch today watching football? And then you start to listen to Romo talk about the game, and you're like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, this game is awesome. I got to watch. You know, he's just so excited about it that he makes me instantly more excited about it. And I think that's kind of what makes him great. And he
2: also, and also what Romo's done, too, like the anti-ESPN move, he's not everywhere so you, know, you get paid so much it's crazy how much he gets paid right but um it makes it a little bit more special that he's not on every show like he's yeah it's not it makes it like when he talks you haven't heard him talk for a, every day for a week and like that just waters down you know what people think of you and instead now he's just going to be associated with the big games. like Al Michaels has done that for years where yeah. howard stern you know
0: stern. Howard Stern was big on this. He hated when his guys were ever anywhere else because he thought it made them less funny on his show. You know what I mean? So he always tried to keep that when they were talking, he wanted to be, you know, from six to ten on his show. You know, so, yeah, it's a good point. Um, You just don't burn out on Romo because that's the only place you see him. And like right now, I'm looking forward to him. You know, I can't wait. Hopefully I get to see a Romo game right away this season. All right, let's yep. let's do the Mannings next because ESPN and everyone else chased Peyton for a while. Um I know ESPN probably threw a lot of money at him to just be the guy on you know ESPN regular and calling the games. Um instead they it's ten games, which I think is important. We don't know what ten yet, right? Or do we? I think it's the first three weeks, and then the other seven, okay. I don't and then think CBD. we know. You. Okay. Yeah. So the first three weeks and it's Eli and Peyton, and they've kind of said they just want to be almost a camera in their living room, right? That's kind of the concept they're going for. You get to come over to the Manning's house and watch the game with them. Do we have an idea of who yeah. who the other guy there is going to be? I've heard names thrown around, but I, there's nothing yeah, official yet, right? yet, Yeah, nah, we don't know
2: yet. Nah, we don't know yet. No, I don't know exactly who's going to be the third person. is. But that person is going to be important, like we said. Yeah, I driving mean, the bus. they might be the most important when you yeah. look at... Yeah, it's like they're the ones who will kind of probably determine how good it is because uh, you know, Manning's, I think Peyton more probably than more than Eli. You know, They have some chops, acting chops, you know, uh, Peyton's a producer now and I know he's heavily involved. And so he's a thinker about it and likes to be in control. That said, the person, you know, running the show is going to be important.
0: Let me ask you it this way. Um, let's say the day after the first game, I know you're going to write on this. If the story is this worked really well, the reason is going to be question mark. And if the story is this went really bad, the reason is going to be question mark. What do you think?
2: No, I think reason one I'll say is the guy who's driving it or gal who's driving it probably going to be very important,
0: okay. and they'll make it
2: work. And they did a good job. Uh, that'd be reason one. Reason if it doesn't work, probably the Mannings are kind of awkward. It sort of gets in the way of the game. I mean, because the thing is about this viewing experience, and this is why Monday night football gets so much scrutiny, because think about the game that you're getting, right? We watch Sunday. Um, Usually you have a favorite team or a local team that you really like. Usually they're playing on Sunday, right? And so you watch that, and that game you kind of focus on, but there's also other games. A lot of people do fantasy so, like, you got all that stuff. You got all that so So, yes, you pay attention to the announcers, but not as much because you got all this other stuff. And Monday comes, maybe you're finishing up your fantasy league. Maybe the game's a little bit important to you. But you're not usually invested in maybe the Maybe you bet teams. it. Maybe you bet it. Maybe you bet it. Yep. Exactly. Maybe you bet it. But, so that gives you a little juice for the game. But the um, but the focus is the broadcast a lot because you're just not as invested sure. in this game. So, um When you look at it that way, as a second viewing experience, um, you see why it can make some sense. Now, I don't really foresee, personally, at least in the near term, that becoming like this is the future and like that's how people want to watch their games. Right, I just don't see it. I think mostly you want down in distance and some analysis in the traditional way. Again, it all depends on who's calling the game, right? Like if you like the crew and they're good, then. You know, there's the, the degree of how much better that traditional broadcast. You know, it's a sliding scale depending on who's in that booth and who's producing those games because they're important as well. Uh, but um, when you add all that up, then you uh, um, you could see why the Manning experience might have some uh, weight and could be pretty good. And for them, it's a great deal. Like they don't have to go anywhere. It's not the same type of research you have to do. And like I don't know this for you know, a lot of people have said to me, speculated to me that, you know, Caden doesn't want to be compared to Romo. I don't know that for a fact, but maybe that's true. Uh this allows him not it. to be compared to yeah, Romo. I can yeah, see I it I can see it, like yeah. knowing his personality. I mean, a lot of people said that to me, but I don't really like I don't wanna like present it like that's a fact or like someone who I know right. close to him or if he told me right, like I it's not so I don't know if that's accurate or not, you know, for but it makes some sense. Um so when you look at that, you have, um, you have.
0: Uh, um, it, it, he's got a chance to do his own he, thing, to carve out his own niche. Exactly. He yeah. has a chance to
2: do your, his own yeah. thing. And yeah. so that's where you, uh, that's where, you know, that's there.
0: Well, I think too, like, so S- September 13th is Ravens and Raiders, right? So I think if you're a big yeah. Ravens or Raiders fan, you're probably not going to this, right? You're probably going to no. stick to. Levy, you know, you're going to do that broadcast. If you're the guy you were talking about, maybe you got a bet. Maybe you don't. Maybe a fantasy guy loves to win your game. Maybe you just want to watch football for, for an hour or two before bed. I think that's where maybe you go to this, a more casual viewer of the game. Um, I would think one thing I'll say about what could go wrong, and I don't know what you think about this, and I know that it was Cooper, not Eli. But I watched a few episodes of the College Bowl thing on NBC. That yep. And the negative there was I thought they shoehorned way too many jokes in. Like, they were working way too hard to be funny and goofy and show that side of Peyton's personality. You know, I think if they go too hard on that, it might come off as off-putting. I think it's got to be more natural than it was on that show.
2: Well, that's the thing. Yeah, that... Because this is performance, right? This isn't... Um... It's not playing it's like it's a, and that's why like I always get like you know people will talk about like a Dan lobsky right who you know people you can't scoff at eleven years I think he spent in the n f l like that's that's amazing to do, but he wasn't paid manning at fours he wasn't a starting quarterback, he was a backup so but like it's still amazing it's like very hard to to do that uh but like when you get on t v it's like how are you as an analyst, how do you communicate you know how do you um translate what anybody who's been in those rooms for a decade who's played football at that level, they all know a lot, right? Yep. It's the ability to say it in a way that's understandable to us who don't know as much um, and entertaining. And so it's a different skill. So you're, you're right. Like, I don't think you can be like too pre-planned. I don't think this was to be like a casual watch. We're hanging out with these guys. And like, I haven't done a lot, but I've hosted one or two, um, like, like a seminar in front of like a lot of people. Once it was with a job at Chamberlain and John Lester, this is a long time ago. And like, I did it, but it's not easy, right. To keep it going. they'll have commercial breaks, it'll be more produced, but like you think, Oh, that's easy. Right. But it actually if it's like, that was just an hour straight and like, those guys were pretty good, but like Lester especially was a little less talkative. So, like when he stopped, like I needed to get in there and go, and move the conversation and like kind of probe and kind of make it. And so like when you're doing live TV and and so like, so there, so there's like a, a paradox there where you want it to plan it out. So you have enough, but you're doing live TV. So you also want it to be very casual. So I don't know how good it will be. It's like, it's, it's, it's like it's great that you know Peyton. Yeah. Peyton's one of the best players of all time, and Eli's um, two-time Super Bowl champion. But like, um, I'm not sure if
0: it'll we'll be great. Sportscasters here with Andrew Marchand from the New York Post. Couple more, and I'll let you go. These we're about the same age, and I know that these shows were way more important when we were younger, but they're still important, and they're still very interesting. And those are the pregame shows, right? Um, for years and years and years, it's been the NFC show, basically. You know, the fo- it's Fox right now, uh, but there's ESPN, there's the NFL network, there's Fox, there's um, CBS, all these different shows. Is there one you watch? Is there something new you're excited to see play out this year? What If you had a notebook that said things I'm interested in in, in for the pregame shows week one, what's what's on that page?
2: Yeah, I, I think the pregame shows are gonna—they're like—they're um, gonna last, but I don't think they're what they once were. That's not. Like when we not. were
0: kids. Yeah, they were huge. Yeah, when
2: we were kids. Game day, like, man. Like, yeah, exactly. It's like ten o'clock, game day. Game I believe it started at ten. They yeah. might start eleven back then. Yeah. It's like um, NFL countdown. You start with Berman. Like, I was just like so engaged. Yeah. noon comes around. You're flipping a Fox and CBS. I got like. I'm, like i want to watch all of them i can't get enough of it now it's not the same yeah. so i think like so yeah so we talked about like look i cover this and you do yep. um as well and so it's um some of it you watch because you kind of have to watch not necessarily like what i choose to watch right. like i just had a stage right where if like, I'm a Steeler fan still, and I'm very interested, of course, locally with the Giants and Jets, and I just like the NFL a lot, I like, watching a lot, but I'm not, like, interested in knowing everything like I did when I was a kid. Like, I think Fair. I knew,
0: Yep.
2: like, when I was, like, 15, like, I think, like, I, my level of knowledge in terms of fan And we didn't have and, like, every game.
0: We didn't, we didn't have, at 1 o'clock, exactly. we weren't watching but, like, every knew, game. Like, I knew,
2: like, the backup quarterback, and you, like, you know, like, the idea, like, like, I'd be a, like, if I told my 15 year old self I don't know the names of every stadium, i like it'd be like that's <laughs> an embarrassment. Right. No, there is some they, they change a lot, so they do. Like, the Superdome you know, is now the Caesars,
0: like, yeah, Caesars now, exactly. Yeah. So like, you
2: don't know like what stadium. So, like, um, could I name every NFL coach right now? Like, pr- I do pretty well. I don't know if I go 30s so. or like, couple, of like, yeah,
0: a couple of those new ones, it, yeah. Couple of those new ones
2: If you said it, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's right." Like, but like, who's the Chargers?
0: Right? I know Campbell's in Detroit, right? The uh, Campbell's in Detroit. The, the Chargers hired who? Is it a? It's an Italian name, isn't it? Frank? It Wasn't Anthony Frank, Lynn? Frank something? Yeah.
2: So, know, I'm not trying to put you on a spot. No, yeah, I hear you. Like so, so I don't need to know. So by and by the time you, but that said, you still have information overload. Like I, Brandon know, Staley. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Not that since one. So, everyone's um,
0: screaming at us. Yeah.
2: Exactly, yeah, exactly. how do they not know? How yeah, it's Staley. Podcast?
0: Staley. Uh, yeah. yeah,
2: exactly. Sorry, Staley. Anyway, yeah. um, the uh, but but the bottom line is that, um, is that even with all that, like I'm not as interested. I still have information overload, right? Like I still know so much about what's going on because it's just you're on your phone all the time and things get tweeted and this and that. And so you know like random things, all that. So by the time you get to Sunday now, those shows, so to answer your question, I'm not looking forward to anything. really. Like those shows, <laughs> they, they can add to it. Right. And I think like the reason, like the reason inside the NBA is so successful is because it's just like uh, four guys just goofing around. It's not like there's great NBA analysis. And I think if there's any show that's um, like that, it's probably the Fox show. Um, you know sure. you got these four jimmy timers for the most part Bradshaw, yeah Jimmy well. and they all like they're just kind of joking and so good continuity in the middle,
0: continuity of there they've been exactly. there a while so like, Yeah, but so
2: like do I think yeah do those guys really know what they're talking about like do I have to like oh my god let me hear what Strahan has to say like he probably knows the most maybe of all of them Um, he's closest to playing uh, but like Glazer's good but like is it Um, it, so I guess you watch those shows they're kind of um, it's more of like the camaraderie, not like let me learn something uh, sure. that you uh, once
0: had. I wonder if the big thing we'll be looking for, like you and I, people who watch us the way we do, I wonder if it's going to be can anyone do anything that makes us want to watch us every week? You know, can something emerge on these shows, whether it's chemistry between two people on the set or a segment that they have or something? Can anyone do anything at this point to make it must-watch? Maybe I'm wondering that. Maybe you are, too. I don't know.
2: Uh, I mean, must-watch is probably for me... That's a I don't stretch. That's maybe
0: a stretch. Do. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean, though. But, yeah, like,
2: yeah. I look, are there people I like? Yeah. Like, do I like... Like, I, look, I think all the shows have some things that I like about it, right? Like, you know... I think Phil Simms is much better in studio than he was at the end doing games, right? So, oh, yeah. you know, him and Boomer yeah. Sison have a little thing going that's, you know, again, for us, you hear it on the radio, too. It's kind of entertaining. Nate Burleson's a superstar, you know, like I wrote about him uh, this week or last week, I guess. Um, and so, you know, he's very good. Uh, but again, like now he's not going to be on Good Morning Football, but like I could watch Nate Burleson every day. So it's like, is it special on Sunday? No, it's not really, you know, it's not um, necessarily different. You know, like you know, like, like good morning football is a really good show, right? Like that's a kind of place now. they don't get the audience, but that's a, that's a really good show. Like, I, yeah. again, I'm not religious watching that show, but when I do, it's just entertaining. They just have a, they know what they have a great chemistry and, you know, I can make a case for all the people on there for why it works and why they're good. Um, and so, uh yeah so i think i don't know but so to make anything must watch again for me no I yeah think maybe like, the word
0: must like is I, a bit much you know what i mean yeah, about, like, yeah but i think
2: espn does a bad job like a guy like marcus spears is on now look i think nfl live in a lot of ways is more important than nfl countdown right you're on every day they're trying to make that appointment viewing i don't know the money aspects of it but right
0: can't believe they I don't let know wingo I, I, go. I, but, I, man wingo that was Wingo's you show. Really? you know well, I mean, that was Wingo's show, yeah. wasn't it? You know, like, he was so good at that.
2: Yeah, I don't think they want to do that. A lot of people love um, Rutledge. Uh, a lot of people think she's really, um, I think she's very good. So, but but I, a lot of people that i talk talked to,
0: you know. Um, Admittedly, you not know, a show I watch a, much. Part of the future. Right, not a show right, I well, so, yeah. right. But, I mean, I, yeah. I just figured, like, that was Wingo's gig. So if there's someone great on it now, good. You know what's crazy? You'll laugh at this. I don't think a week went by in the 90s where by Wednesday, my mom hadn't turned to me and said, "Hey, is Inside the NFL on the road this week? Where are they?" <laughs> like that was such a big deal in my house for some for some reason. We were a big Inside the NFL family, you know, because we we weren't that rich, but we were like real cocky that we had HBO. You know what I mean? Like that was our luxury in the yeah. house. <laughs> you know, so we were, you know, we always had to use HBO. For, like that was our big, big luxury. But yeah, we would like that was a very important show back then, and I know it's still on Showtime, I think now, but you know. Obviously not what it was then. But where's Len Dawson yeah. and, and 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 uh, you know, and the and the crew this week? Oh, they're coming to Buffalo. This is awesome. But, you know. Anyway. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: 100%. All right, a couple more and I'll let you go. One or two more. Um, we've talked about the Mannings. We've talked about the pre-games. We've talked about the booths. What's left? What's something I missed? What's another thing that will be in that column that I haven't asked you for? What's something else you're tracking? <laughs>
2: um... Uh, I'm going to write it right after it because I, I got all this stuff. Let me think. Um, well, I mean, look, the Monday Night Booth, you have to look at. Yep. Uh, they're in year two, I think. You know, they were fine. It was probably an improvement. they just okay. Definitely. Yep. It was an improvement. Yep. Yeah, it was okay. They stayed out of the way. you have to give them a chance. Yep. Yeah, they um, – you know they had the pandemic to deal with. Like those guys, like we never in the same room with each other. Right. And you know, they Greece didn't bring they any negative attention. Well.
0: No negative attention.
2: No, it was yeah. better. Yeah, it was better. It was a tremendous. Um, you know, is um, it was okay. So that's one um, that I'm looking at.
0: Oh, I got you know, one. Buck I got and
2: one. Romo. go. Get, get yeah.
0: Me. Gambling, right? Like we can go Constant. way. Way back to Jimmy the Greek would give the the score prediction, and it'd be like twenty nine fifteen, and you'd be like, "That's weird." And he, oh, it's a thirteen point spread. He's saying they're going to cover the spread. Where now, I just mentioned the Superdome is actually called Caesar's, right? Like the gambling in the last year or two has become so acceptable, it seems like compared to the year or two before that. When Didn't the NFL flip out that Tony Romo was going to be at like a fantasy football convention in Vegas? Yeah, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. What do you think about yeah, gambling well, and how its go- its role is going to increase in all these shows and the booths and the discussions?
2: Yeah, I think we're getting there. It's going to, you know, five years from now, you know, we're talking again. I think it's going to be incredible how much, you know, it's uh, within everything. Uh, but, yeah, this is where the money is. Yeah. Um, Talk about alternative broadcasts. I think that's where that's going to probably go into the gambling stage. Um, so, yeah, you're going to see an increase in it. Right now, they're limiting it somewhat. They're kind of playing it both ways, right? Like, right. But the money's going to, that's where the money is. The money's going there. That's where, um, yeah, where everything is going to be inundated. some people, there'll be backlash. I do think they'll be making a mistake if they try to make it the main thing. I do think, to me, That stuff is in the the over-the-top secondary platforms. If you're gonna like bet have betting broadcasts, that's to me where that goes. Um, I don't know if the general public like again. There's so much money in it, but it doesn't mean like everyone's gonna do it. It just means that there's so much money involved in it. And I just think that you can, if you want to tailor broadcast to that, I think there's way to really smartly do it because the person is really interested in that. Who's interested in that is really interested in it. And I think the person who's not interested in it will be annoyed if you try to shove it down their throats. So I don't think, um, to borrow a phrase from Chris Russo, cutting the baby, no, splitting the baby.
0: um, (laughs) Good good job, dog. Good job, dog.
2: Yeah, he he said cutting the baby one. Anyway, um, splitting the baby. um,
0: Splitting the baby, dog.
2: That works, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that works. So I do think you have to – uh, but yeah, I, yeah, there'll be an increase for sure. But I just don't think you want to
3: overdo
0: it. I wonder if one of the shows, one of those shows is like, it's crowded here. We're not getting the attention. And they go to that. It's kind of like their way. You know what I mean? To stick out. If they do go a little bit to the extreme on that, maybe someone makes that move. We'll see. Um, and fantasy, I think, is tied in there too, right? Like how much fantasy um, time. But I think ESPN is smart. They have a show for it. If you want to go to that show and then on their main show, they do maybe five minutes with Matthew Barry, you know, and maybe that's the right balance, yeah. you know, a few minutes on the main show. And then like you said, an OTT somewhere else.
2: All right. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I, you, that, that's what
0: I think. Yeah. All right. Um, was there anything else you were going to say? Because I cut you off to get all excited about gambling for whatever reason. Was it? Was there another one you wanted? To hit?
2: No. If you could just send me, if you could just send me a transcript of this, and I'll just use that as my column. <laughs>
3: yeah. that would be,
2: uh, save
0: me some time. Here's the very last thing because I think it's the most important thing. It's the most important thing to me, and I know it's kind of a later yeah. discussion. But where does that Sunday ticket package stand this year? It's the same. You got to have Directv. I've had Directv for about 15 years now, and that's the only reason why. And I can't wait for the day where I can call them up and say, hey, I packed up all your stuff. It's on my front porch. Come get it. But for now, I'm stuck to them. But theres is there anything new? Is there any progress being made there? What do you think is the best-case scenario for the Sunday ticket from a fan's perspective?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the digital players make a lot of sense. I, th- I do think, again, I don't know this. I've been told
0: there's be some creativity.
2: I, I, look, I don't know if I knew exactly where I I would tell you. I yeah. think Amazon probably is one. If I were to point to one, I'd say Amazon. Okay. Um That would be the one. Uh, but ESPN, I don't know. But I, if, but if somebody else wins it out, I that wouldn't shock me either. So I, I just think like I think Amazon NFL relationship is something to watch. Um, and it makes sense for them. And I do think you could do things. I do think there's some technology you could do things creative, creative, creatively. Like if you're a Saints fan instead of getting the whole package for 300 could you just get the Saints for $100? Right. Like, could that make sense? You know, like...
0: And maybe 50 when you're doing for the it digitally. red zone. Yeah, maybe the red zone too. Red zone in yeah, your main like, team, again, something like that.
2: Yeah, or you de- or like they make the bundle a little bit, you know, and then like, ah, oh, another 75 bucks. I get the bundle, right? So it's like, you know, you are probably be enticed just to get it all. Like, I'll just get every game. Um, you know, but... Uh, yeah, but to answer your question, I don't know where... If I knew, I would tell you right fair enough
0: fair enough i i all think right. that there's a very uh, g- very good chance it's split that there's an over-the-air one you can buy and a digital one a streaming one you could buy i would think that they'll go that way try to double the revenue very yeah all right andrew marchand is on the new york post it's at his name on twitter the new york post which has an unbelievable uh, ipad presence a great ipad app that i subscribe to i think if you're in this state and uh you're like-minded like I am. You go to the post and you get that app. It's great for news and sports. And check out his archives, um, which is NewYorkPost.com/author and then his name with a dash in between. Because there was a great, great piece you wrote a few weeks ago about Joe Buck uh, when he went into the Hall of Fame, and some really good information about his grandfather. And I just love that piece. I want to. Just mention that to you too. But um, anything else you want to plug or mention in terms of the app or your columns or anything else you're doing? No,
2: uh, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, hopefully some exciting things uh, coming, you know, your way with the post uh, that we're going to be doing. So um, I appreciate it, and, uh, and you know, talk to you soon.
0: I want to thank Andrew Marshawn and Vic Carucci for being on the podcast today. Don't forget, you can find this episode and all episodes, all 10 years worth of the Sportscasters on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash sports casters. You can also find me on Twitter at sports underscore casters or email me the sportscasters at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram at sportscasters. Don't forget about my other show, The 24-Inch Podcast. If you found this one, you found The 24-Inch Podcast. It's myself and Dave Rollins and Paula Bennett talking about the illustrious career of Hulk Hogan. It's at the number two, the number four inch podcast on Twitter uh, at the number two underscore inch underscore podcast on Instagram. And you can search us out by typing in 24 inch podcast on Facebook and joining our group page there, which is really fun. Lots of great Hulk Hogan and non Hulk Hogan related content is housed there. So check that out. If you can, don't forget to check out my buddy, Peter Winston and uh, greetings from Allentown, which I think is the number one uh, wrestling podcast out there uh, hosted by one person. Uh, When Peter has his fastball, his show is as good as as anything out there. Uh, he's been taking a little bit of a step back from the uh, from the main show. The last episode, two twenty, was world class championship wrestling. Uh, One nineteen eighty five, Rick Flair versus Terry Gordy, July fifteenth. But while he's been on a slight break, he's still been putting out greetings from Allentown, live uh, with Keithy, and uh, the latest episode of that is. WWF superstars uh, from June 15th of 1991. Um, so between live and the original show and the archives, which is over 300 episodes, uh, it's, it's an unbelievable uh, trip through wrestling history. All right. Uh, with all that said, one last thing for me today. I've fallen in love with a food truck. Yes, I will say that again. I've fallen in love with a food truck. It's called Hen House Buffalo. And here's what happened. So early in July, my wife told me that they were going to be doing food trucks uh, down the street every Tuesday. And honestly, I'm not a big food truck guy. Uh, The lines are usually too long. The food is usually too complicated. Um, It's usually out in the heat and the sun and there's nowhere to eat. And I'm just not a huge fan of them, traditionally speaking. But this was so darn close to the house that I figured, all right, she wants to go. Paul wants to go. I'll go down there. And she told me that there was a a chicken truck there that sells Nashville hot chicken. And I've always wanted Nashville hot chicken. Now, Nashville is one of the biggest cities in the United States that I have not been to. Uh, There's been so much buzz, especially the last few years you know, for Nashville, but I've yet to make it, but I want to, and one of the main reasons I want to is because I want to eat that hot chicken, so anyway, I thought, okay, I'll go, and I'll get that, and I did, and it was very hot. (laughs) Uh, It was hot out. The food was hot. The spicing was hot. I was sweating. My mouth was on fire, but I liked it. There was something about it, And I came back the next week and I had it again. And this time it wasn't as hot out and I wasn't as hot, but the chicken was still hot and it was good. And from there, I started following them on Instagram. Now, eventually I unfollowed them on Instagram because I just felt I was too involved with a food truck. But I've since followed them back on Instagram. Uh, They have recently opened a brick and mortar which has been a little bit disappointing because so far it's not as good as the food truck. And I just want the food truck. Um, so I messaged them and said, where's the food truck? And they said, oh, it's going to be here and here on this day and this day. And I went the one day and it was there and I enjoyed it. And then I went the next day and it wasn't there and then my heart was broken. And I reached out to them and said, what happened? You said you were going to be at the NT Walgreens serving Nashville hot chicken. Where are you? And I said, oh, the truck broke down. But they did something incredible. They gave me my own coupon code. STEVE15. Good for a free order of Nashville Hot Chicken. The five-piece medium. That's my order. Without the fries, though, because the fries are garbage. But uh, I was able to go last night and get it, and it's just the best food truck. Now, I'm like this. I'll get on runs with things. I'll get on kicks. I'll have to have them a lot. And I'll go through it and then it'll kind of fade out. Um, and I'll just get it then once in a while. And I'm hoping that's what happens with this food truck. But for now, I need it all the time. I just always want this food truck. And like I said, the brick and mortar isn't quite as good. But man, it's an outstanding, outstanding food truck. Is anyone out there, anyone else out there in love with a food truck? Or could anyone else relate to just... Going on runs with things Where you just need it all the time And you do it for a month or two and then You kind of get over it And get back to a normal pace I don't know, that's how I am That's how I eat I get real into shit But I want to thank Andrew Marchand and I want to thank Vic Carucci for being on the show today I've been enjoying doing all these podcasts Previewing the NFL season And I'll be more excited when the NFL season starts. Even though I have no idea how good or bad my team's going to be. Have a great weekend.